It's time for Sports Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, this is the wrap on 760 WJR. To a car phone we go. Dave, thanks for hanging on. You're on 760. Gentlemen, and Stephen Dan, you got the chemistry. It's cooking. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Are you calling us from your office? I'm doing Sports Center tonight. With, Are you uh, really? Dan Patrick. Well, I'm very impressed. By the way, give Dan our best. He's a good man. And, I will. Uh, hey, uh, hey, Dan. Chuck Swirsky says hi. This is the best sports rap has ever been, in my opinion. Now, here's your host, Chris Renwick. Oh, we got a change. We got a name change. Look, I I don't think change is ever easy. Certainly isn't easy when it's your team, when it's your club. Certainly isn't easy when you play these teams year in, year out. You get used to who they are. It becomes their identity, becomes who they are. Well, we got to change. And I'm no, I'm not even talking about the Washington football team, club, whatever whatever their name is. We got to change in Major League Baseball. We got to change in this division. AL Central. No, the White Sox will still be the White Sox. And the Tigers ain't going anywhere. How about the Cleveland Indians? No more. The Cleveland Indians will be no more at the conclusion of this Major League Baseball season. We got a new name down in Cleveland. And I don't know if you saw this. But the Indians had said going into, I guess, last year that they were going to do away with the Indians' name. They were going to do away with it. And... I think a lot of people were expecting perhaps an homage to the past. The Spiders was certainly on the table as far as I knew. That's what they were called at one point. But that's not the name now. That's not what was chosen. And I want to let noted Clevelandite Tom Hanks tell you who it is. Listen here. And now it's time to unite as one family one community, to build the next era for this team and this city, to keep watch and guard what makes this game the greatest, to come together and welcome all who want to join us. We are loyal and proud and resilient. We protect what we've earned and always defend it. Together we stand with all who understand what it means to be born and built from the land. Because this is the city we love and the game we believe in. And together, we are all Cleveland Guardians. Huh? Huh? Excuse me? The Cleveland what? The Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians. Okay. Let me give you a little bit of uh, a history as to where the Guardians name comes from. There's a bridge just outside Progressive Field, right in Cleveland. They're actually quite beautiful statues. Big, tall guardians located on this bridge. I mean, it's it's right outside of the, of the park. Beautiful statues. 
But here's the thing. I don't think anybody knows the Guardians exist in Cleveland. I don't think anybody knows that you're paying homage to a couple of statues outside of the ballpark. I don't think anybody knows what the hell they're talking about. Great pieces of art. Beautiful. Terrible baseball name. I saw somewhere on Twitter it said, the Cleveland Guardians sound like an XFL franchise. (laughs) I thought that was right on. So look, I get it. I, I still have trouble calling the Washington football team the Washington football team. I still have trouble referring to the Rams as the Los Angeles Rams. I still have trouble referring to the Raiders as the Las Vegas Raiders. It'll take time. Eventually, it'll just become what they are. But boy, Dave, I don't know what you think about this. I, I Nick Roddy on vacation this week. Uh, Dave Regerin with us. I, I don't know what you thought about it. I, I thought this was... I, I knew that the Guardians were, were being bandied about as a possibility. I'm just shocked that they actually went with it. Like, I thought the Cleveland Spiders would have been kind of a cool name, actually. But the Guardians... It's a cool homage to their, to their past. Yeah, the, the Guardians is horrible. That's a horrible name. It's a terrible name. Look, I, again, I'm not... I, I Maybe this is a big hit in Cleveland. I don't know. I really don't know. It just It just seems weird. By the way, why Tom Hanks... Why why Tom Hanks in that video? We talked about this uh, before the show. You did some research, and uh, you, you think you found the answer to why they used Tom Hanks for this video. Well, look, you know, our friend uh, over with the Guy Gordon show, Mike Parsons, made a great point. Great point. We got, we got Woody now uh, as the voice of Cleveland, apparently, and we got... Uh, Buzz Lightyear here in Michigan doing our uh, commercials, doing our, our pure Michigan commercials. Hey, it's cool. That's that's pretty cool. In Tim Allen. That's that's pretty cool. But at least we know what Tim ha- we know what we know what Tim Allen has we got a connection here to Tim Allen. Tim Allen's from Michigan. Right. He's from here. He's our guy. Went to Western. He's our guy. Uh to Tom Hanks is not a a a, a gentleman from Cleveland. Born and raised in California. Here's his, you want to hear his connection to, uh, to, to Cleveland? And I don't want to harp on this too much. Please tell us. But he, he met a guy who was the head of the Great Lakes Theater Festival in Cleveland. He was studying theater, met this guy. This guy goes, hey, I want you to be an intern at this festival. The internship was a multi-year experience, covered all kinds of different theater production, lighting, the whole deal. And Hanks dropped out of college won an award for his uh, portrayal in a Shakespeare play. And that was his experience with Cleveland. That's it. That, that That's it. That seems like a, a pretty strong connection. Where he, inter- where he, where he interned at a, uh, at, a, at a theater festival in Cleveland back in the late 70s. So, I look, I, I, there, I would imagine there are some folks that you could have pulled out. How about uh, Drew Carey? That's what I he wanted did, remember, to know. He, remember that show he did? I Look, I don't think Drew Carey's got a very great voice. Hanks has that voice. But, like, remember Drew Carey did his uh, opening of his show, running all around downtown Cleveland. That's right, Cleveland like Rocks. Cleveland Rocks, right? Yes. Cleveland yes. Rocks. Drew Carey's show, yeah. I don't know why Tom Hanks was the choice here. Anyway, we got a lot to do tonight. 
Steve Eiser make, making a trade. He's back at it. We'll talk about that next. Now back to more sports rap. That's taken out to the podium and Lions owner Bill Ford. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Right now, Wayne Fonts and his staff are no longer the coaches of the Detroit Lions. Here's Chris Renwick. I told you, I'm just, I'm so in on what Steve Eiserman is doing. I'm so in. I, and I'm just, ex- look, I'm excited about it, all right? I told you that already. Told you it before. And Steve Eiserman has pulled off some wild trades as of late over this last year. And I think that we are coming to a crescendo here. I think we're coming to a point where you know, like Al Avila said uh, over uh, uh, across the street, that we, we are not in a rebuild anymore. And I'm wondering a little bit if that is the mindset that Steve Eiserman has. Because he's making some moves here that are shrewd, that are, uh, let's be honest, a highway robbery. And I think this is leading to a, a, a point here where I would think in the next two years that this team is is going to really push for some contention here. And if you're not watching what Steve Eiserman's doing, you're you're missing something wild here. You're missing something potentially special. And I want to take it back because he just made a trade. I want to take you back to, to the Anthony Mantha deal bringing in Jacob Verona, getting a first-round pick. It's a big deal. That's a, that's a, that was a, 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 a wildly successful trade for the Detroit Red Wings. Then, just, what, last weekend, bringing in Letty. Good deal. Some people think he's going to be, you know, Nick says he's going to be a rental. I'm not sure. 30-year-old defenseman, 31 points in over 50 games last year. Let him go player. And now, this may be, this, this may be one of the more impressive trades that Steve Eiserman's been able to pull off, at least on paper. So now you, you're bringing in Alex Nedelkov. Now look, kid's 25 years old, a goaltender from Carolina, 23 appearances last year, 15-5-3 record, led the league in goals against in 1.9, led the league in a in, in save percentage with 9.32, was named the, uh, a finalist for the Calder Trophy, performed well in the playoffs, had a had a just over two goals against average, and a 9.20 save percentage in nine games. Went three for four. Boy, you think, geez... That, that, that those kind of numbers why how how did this happen how did how did how did nick or excuse me how did steve eiserman get a guy like this and all it cost him really 
was a third-round pick. Now, Jonathan Bernier went in that as well, but he was not re-signing with us, and we weren't re-signing him. How did this happen? How did this happen? Now, look, it may, maybe there's something we're missing here. Right, look, Nedeljkovic is only 25, only playing 23 regular season games this year. That's not a very big sample size. I get it. Kid six foot, little undersized for a netminder. I get it. He was asking for three. Here's the kicker out of all of this, probably. Kid was asking for three and a half million dollars a year. That's what he was looking for from the Hurricanes. You get here, boom, three million dollars a year. Two-year deal. Signed, sealed, delivered. Uh, look, uh, all I'm saying is what, what what Steve Eiserman is doing here, and Dave, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but could you have could you imagine Ken Holland making these moves? Could could you imagine the last regime making these moves? Because you know, I can't. You know, uh, I feel that the Red Wings kind of got off track when the rules of free agency changed. And they uh, and that kind of tied Ken ha- Ken Holland's hands together. So I, I I'm not going to say that he could not, but I I I do have to say that you know the um, Lightning have won back to back cups that has Steve Eiserman's fingerprints all over it. But so, by the way, so by maybe, the way, so maybe you're by right. the way, Dave. But Dave, look, think of it like this too. Remember three years ago, the Bolts got bounced in the first round in in quite an upset. They were the favorites then to win. Yeah. They were the favorites three years ago to win. Uh, uh, look, I'm not saying he's going to be able to build what he built with Tampa Bay here in Detroit. I don't. I think those are incredibly lofty expectations. But I think these are smart deals. And I think when you look at at what you're getting in return, I, I don't know what I don't know what he's doing. What kind of, uh, you know, hypnosis is he putting these people under? little Jedi mind trick. I, I just don't get it. So, you know, when people tell me, look, the Nick Letty deal is just the, he's on the last year of his deal, 30 years old. He's going to have some trade value at the, at the, at the trade deadline this coming season. Uh, okay. But here's the, you, you dealt the second round pick for him. I think that it's just showing improvement. I think that's all that really that. We the Red Wings fans want to see. They just want to see it's, that, that it's moving in the right direction. It, it's, it's not just improvement. You're getting marketably better at these positions. You're getting marketably better at at inside the pipes. You're getting better at the blue line. You're you're at a point now where these positions are being vastly upgraded. And look, again, on paper, this is good. Nedeljkovic is good on paper. I, I think when you see Steve signing him, look, the, the, we're, I don't think we're at a point here where we're getting six-year deals. But we, we are at a point where we're going to give a guy, a 25-year-old netminder, by the way, who played for, for the Whalers when, when they were in, in Plymouth. When you're, when you're at that point, you're getting, when we're here, you're giving two-year deals. That's what you're doing. And you're looking at Nedeljkovic going, okay, look, here's the deal. You go out and perform. You put a, a, a season together like you did last year. You prolong those numbers. 
one, you'll probably be the best goalie in the league. But number two, you're going to be in Detroit for a long time, and we're going to make sure you're going to be here. We're going to make sure that this is going to be your home for the next six, seven years. And look, Nick Letty's 30. I'm not anticipating we're going to go here and and, and uh, go another decade with stretch with Nick Letty. But I am saying that when you give away a second-round pick, that doesn't seem to be a pick. I mean, a second-round pick is going to play in the NHL. They're going to play for your for your team. Well, this you is would, why... This I is... don't see why you're going to flip... A second round pick for a first pick. This is that why value just isn't. This is there. why the they've been stockpiling all these draft picks is because now they can trade with them. I mean, this is this is his plan. This is what he's been doing. You know, so sure they got a lot of draft capital. Yeah, this is the and by the, way, the reason for this. It. This uh, this pick that they traded uh, in the in the uh, Nadelkovich deal, a third round pick, and it wasn't even theirs. That's not even a pick that that is own. It's a pick they acquired uh, uh, some time ago. It's not even a Red Wing pick. Things are looking good for the Detroit Red Wings right now. I just, look, I'm very optimist. I've been beating the drum here the last month. I'm very optimistic on these teams here. You know, we are starting to see an upward trajectory here. Not a lie. We're not, we're not climbing Everest. We're more on the bunny hill at Mount Brighton. But we're just starting to see an upswing. You're starting to see the upswing with the Tigers. You're starting to see the upswing with the the Detroit Pistons led by Cade McNamara. You're starting to see the the trajectory and where this thing is going with the Red Wings. And the Lions are in a rebuild mode. We're not going to be there quite yet. But look, I'm all about the the Iserman way of life here. I'm all about it. More to come on Sports Wrap coming up next, including a trip out to Mac Media Days at Ford Field. Don't go anywhere. More here on WJR coming up. Now back to more Sports Wrap. Let's take you now to the podium and Lions owner Bill Ford. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Right now, Wayne Fonts and his staff are no longer the coaches of the Detroit Lions. Here's Chris Renwick. Well, I got to tell you, the, the the landscape of college football is just different. We were lucky enough to be out at Ford Field this week, out at Mac Media Days. Lots of interesting things to say in our conversation with Mac Commissioner John Steinbrecher. All right, welcome in uh, out at the Mac Media Days here at Ford Field. Uh, exciting. This is going to be the home for the Rocket Mortgage Mac Championship game. That'll be December 4th. Uh, and it's a great venue, and you got a lot of great teams that are going to be in the mix here. And and coming off of a COVID year, you're you're looking at kind of some sense of normalcy. John Steinbrecher is the MAC commissioner, and he joins us. How are you, sir? Chris, it's great to be with you. You're right. It would be nice if we had a, a somewhat normal year. We'll we'll see, right? Um, still a lot of work to be done yeah. with COVID. Um, we're tracking okay right now, but we need to continue to encourage people to get vaccinated and. Mm-hmm. Do the, do the smart things, um, but I, I'm looking forward to a full season. I'm looking forward to some great non-conference games, and then you get in the conference season. And gosh, um, 
we're fairly deep as a league, I think, this year. Yeah. If people will stay healthy, it, it'll be interesting how this thing plays out. Yeah, I agree. Um, when you start looking at, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on you know, the last year, but certainly it was different. You went to a six-game slate, and I'm sure there was a lot of discussions on how you were going to do it, if you were going to have a season. Yeah. Obviously, you postponed like a lot of other leagues. Um, but, but talk to me about uh, the decisions kind of that went into that, and then conversely – what lessons did you learn as a as a yeah. conference and then is something going to carry over did you learn something that's going to be kind of commonplace you know the biggest takeaway i had and and you've got to recognize you're dealing in the world of intercollegiate athletics where you're dealing with a lot of type a personalities people want decisions today for stuff six months from now right mm-hmm. um we learned you don't always want to make decisions right away need to continue to wait, process information, see how things play out a little bit. And that that was the takeaway I had from the whole year is we made the decision early on. In fact, we were the first conference that said we're going to stop. We should have said we're going to pause and just hold right then. Now, we didn't see a path forward at that time, but we should have just said, look, we're going to delay starting preseason camp. We're going to delay our season, and we'll see how this plays out because at that time we had – all sorts of issues. One, we were still trying to figure out all of the health risks around it. Sure. Had, are there cardiovascular issues? What you know, a whole sort of things there. Mm-hmm. We we're still working through with our medical advisory group. Second, we had testing issues. Um, at that time, the only testing that was accepted was a PCR test. Yep. We were having trouble getting sufficient numbers of PCR tests, and then if we could get them, we weren't getting results in a timely fashion. Right. And so we weren't able to test in the way that was going to be necessary. Now, to be fair, that wasn't something unique to the MAC. I mean, that, that was something that was happening all across the country. Absolutely. Um, and so all of that played into it. Yeah. And so we said, okay, we're going to put a stop on it. Well, while we said we're going to stop, I immediately turned to my chief operating officer and said, keep after it. Let's find some testing solutions. Mm-hmm. And then shortly thereafter, the NCA made some changes. We will accept antigen testing. You have to, a little different protocol, sure. but a little. And so that opened up the door. We were able to contract with a company. Boom. Yeah. And then we were off and running. Mm-hmm. And as you said, we were able to play a six-game season. It was a great season. Uh, and you kept ex- everybody healthy, yes. which, is, which yes. is, is so important, especially when you're dealing with you know, college yeah. athletes. Well, we students. talked about over the course of the last football season, we did 36,000 COVID tests for student athletes, wow. coaches, whatever. We had a positivity rate of less than 0.5%. Wow. Um, that's, I, I would never have believed that. Uh, and it's, it's speak, a testament it, to, to, to the Mac at well, the Mac level, but also the coaches. It's a testament to the kids and yeah. the coaches, uh, to their foresight and, and their protocols and procedures. And let's, let's be honest, a lot of good fortune, right? Sure. Uh, you needed a, a lot of good luck with that, and we had that as well. Um, something that I'd like to ask you about, because you play a, a pretty important role in, in the world of transfers <laughs> uh, on the, yeah. the NCAA's uh, committee on uh, the, the working group on transfers. This is something that is now here to stay. Yeah. Uh, and you have taken a pretty um, a pragmatic approach to this. Look, it's going to happen, and, and you're giving student-athletes the one-time transfer rule. Um, I guess just talk to me about how this has now, you know, made its way into well, college I, athletics. I've actually chaired that group for yeah. like forever. It seems like. Um, <laughs> seems like. And I went into it uh, kind of with the mindset that I, my, my preference would be maybe everybody should sit a year, 
right? Mm -hmm. But whatever we do, let's have a rule that applies the same to all student athletes, unless there's a rationale for why we have differential rules. Right. We got into it, there was no rationale for why we did something for one group and not the other. And then as we looked at, and particularly the educational issues around it and educational uh, outcomes, we couldn't find an educational reason to require a year in residence with just the f first transfer. Okay, so then if that's what it is, then we need to move there. Yeah. And it wasn't without a lot of angst, and it, mm -hmm. it's in the short term particular, I think you're going to th see a lot of kids get into the portal that have no business being there. Mm -hmm. I think we'll get savvier with it. Coaches will be savvier, student-athletes will be savvier, and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's the right thing to do. I mean, I... I I, I bemoan that so many kids might move around, so be it. That's yeah. It's their choice. Yeah. It's not coach's choice, it's not the school, school's choice. Yeah. Um, another interesting thing that you know recently came down was the NIL stuff. Yeah. College athletes now are gonna be able to, to make a little bit of cash on the side based on, on their name, image, and likeness. Um, I think a lot, you know, it's, it's really a, one of two camps. A lot of people say, ah, oh, they get the, the scholarships or, you know, they should be able to, to do a little something. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Well, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for the student athletes. Um, I think we'll see a handful, I don't know how many student athletes that just knock it out of the park, right? Sure. And then there will be a bunch in the middle that mm -hmm. maybe make a little bit or get a free T-shirt or get some free food. Sure. And then there will be a big group that says it's not worth the time and effort to right. put into it. Um, and I think we'll also be surprised to learn that when we look back in a couple years, it's not always the star quarterback or the star point guard. Sure. It's that really unique volleyball player or field hockey player or cross-country student athlete who's an influencer in other ways. Yeah. Um, Social media being one of them. Boom. And that's really what it's going to be. They have to build their brand. Yeah. And that's going to play a huge role. But in. I think that's uh, um, it can play an important role because it's not just it's not just the football players or the basketball players or the hockey players that are going to be impacted here. Everybody's going to have an opportunity. Absolutely. And, and again, it's a great laboratory for the rest of their life. It's sure. brand building 101. Sure. How do you build your brand? How do you communicate? Um, well, go on and do it. How do you learn to live up to all these commitments? Yeah. Uh, how do you manage your finances? All, that's, that's all great stuff. I mean, I, 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 there's been too much angst around that. The challenge is we've bungled the rollout of sure. it. We, we don't have a national standard on it. We've got different states doing different twists on yeah. it. We don't have sufficient oversight of it. So there, you know, the, the good actors will do things the right way. Sure. The bad actors will continue to do things the wrong way. Yeah. And we'll just have to manage accordingly. Yeah. Um, and if you can't comment, I understand, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway. There's been so much talk about, you know, moving the playoff from a four-team format to, a, you know, an elevated level, be it a 12-team format or what, what have you. Um, it would, I think it would impact positively conferences like the MAC and teams in the MAC. Um, is that something that you feel that there is enough support around the country for? Or, or, I mean, traditionally, we've seen those steps happen in smaller increments. Yeah. I, th I think there is very strong support for it. I think it will be a boon not only for the Mid-American Conference, I think it will be for all conferences and all in college football. One of the unexpected consequences of the existing format is by the time you get to the end of September, you've probably knocked two-thirds out of the team out of consideration sure. for the playoff. You get another week or two, you know, by the time you get into mid-October, you're probably down to 10 or 12 teams. Yeah. That's pulling a lot of attention from a lot of teams, yeah. regardless of conference affiliation. If we go to a 12-team format, we'll get into October, early, mid-November. 
we'll still have half the teams playing in consideration. Meaningful games. That's that's big. Yeah. That'll have an impact on ticket sales. That'll have an impact on television ratings. Sure. That'll, that'll be positive for everybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talk to me real qu- really quickly about the upcoming football season. I know you're excited about it. And you got a lot of good teams. Oh, you know, take your pick. Yeah. I mean, uh, who stays healthy? Whose quarterbacks sure. do what they're capable of doing? Uh, who sh- who plays a little defense? Yeah. You know, it's the typical stuff. Who yeah. executes? Right. It's uh, we, we sometimes make the game more difficult than it needs to be. It's, it's running, it's blocking, it's catching, yeah. it's tackling. Yeah. And who does those things and does it with the fewest mistakes? Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we appreciate the time. And thank you for holding this at Ford Field and this event at Ford Field and the championship game at Ford Field. The city welcomes the MAC, and we're, we're thrilled to have you. This is a great home for Mid-American Conference football. We're, we're honored and privileged to be coming to Ford Field and work with the Lions every year on this event. That's John Steinbrecher, the MAC commissioner. We appreciate your time, sir. I always appreciate John Steinbrecher's time. A lot of interesting things to say. Again, when you start talking about the NIL, name, image, likeness, players starting to be able to, to make a little coin off of that. And, of course, the expansion of the playoff. How good would that be for the Mac? Mr. Steinbrecher says it's a good thing. Uh, all right, more to come here on Sports Wrap coming up next, including, I don't want to gloat, but I did tell you so. We'll talk about the NBA Finals next here on WJR. Now back to more Sports Wrap. That's taken now to the podium and Lions owner Bill Ford. Presented by FanDuel. Download the FanDuel Sports app today. FanDuel, more ways to win. Right now, Wayne Fonts and his staff are no longer the coaches of the Detroit Lions. Here's Chris Renwick. If you were following along, I, we, we both made a little dough. I told you how I was going on this uh, NBA Finals business, and we came out on top. Look, I, I, I just, I told you. I didn't feel that the Suns had it in them. I didn't feel like they had enough. I feel like they had reached their ceiling, and then that was it. Milwaukee just had a higher ceiling. They had a little bit more. You may have eight-foot ceilings, but Milwaukee was vaulted. They were just a little more room up there. And it doesn't help when your star player scoring 50 points. I mean... I, I I thought that if whoever won Game Five is who was going to win the series. Milwaukee rattles off four straight after going down in an 0-2 hole to win the thing. And I just didn't look. Chris Paul was kind of a no-show, playing loosey goosey with the Rock again. I didn't think Devin Booker was particularly very good. I I just I didn't think that that Phoenix had enough there. So if you were following along the sports wrap throughout the playoffs, we we you were in the black. We we had a nice little run there. But I just didn't. I look again. I think Giannis is is he's too good by himself. But then you throw in the work. Of Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. I mean, those are really nice pieces to what Giannis brings to the table. 
And I just think, again, I just think Milwaukee was better. They were just better. They had a little more scrap, a little more fight, a little more physicality. They were just a little better. And you know who had a great time after the fact? You know who had a great time? Giannis. He's sitting there. He gets to the... Gets to a couple of seats, sits down, taking in the moment, crying. Having a great time. Gets up, celebrates with his team. It was fantastic. Watching a guy like Giannis win was awesome. Part of that is because he didn't go anywhere. He stayed with the Milwaukee the Milwaukee Bucks. First of all, who wants to play in Milwaukee? Number one. Hey Dave, what was that? Uh, the what was that guy's name from uh, uh, Home Alone? Remember, uh, uh, he, he was part of the he was part of the the polka team, the the polka band that was going to Milwaukee and dropped off uh, the the kid's mom. Remember oh, that guy? I do. I can't remember the Kenosha name. Kickers. Remember? Yes. Oh yeah. That guy's excited. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers Pumped. is excited. Uh, yeah, part owner Aaron yeah, Rodgers. He's excited. Pretty excited. Yeah. I mean, is Milwaukee officially I, is Milwaukee get, a basketball town now? No, stop it. All I'm saying is that I just believe that that the way Giannis did it is so much better than how somebody like LeBron gets a ring. Or how somebody, you know, uh like uh you know, and name another, uh, uh, you know, uh, looking for the the three-headed monster on any of these teams. Oh, there go ahead. Was, it's just, there was just a better. Lot. I mean, there was a lot. You could, go, you could go back to the old Carl Malone going better. to the Lakers trying to get a ring. I but mean, it's, oh, you know. totally, totally. It's just better than a super team. Just is. Just feels more organic. It just feels better. And And you know what? He even said it afterwards. He even said it. Look, I didn't want to go anywhere. I look, look, let Giannis tell you how it is. Coming back, I was like, this is my city. You know, they, they trust me. They believed in me. They believed in us. Even when we were like, we were lost, the city still was like on our side. And, um, you know, obviously I, want, I wanted to get the job done. You know, uh, they, but that's my stubborn side. Like, it's easy to go somewhere and go and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go, I, I don't want to put anybody in the spot, but I could go to a super team and, you know, just do my part and win a championship. Still one. We did it, man. Love it. Love it. God, it almost makes me a, a Milwaukee Bucks, uh, you know, side fan. Almost. It are, certainly are makes B, me a Giannis fan. Are they your B team now? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't figured that out. But I, I just love that mentality. Love it. I absolutely love it. So good for them. Oh, and then, by the way, then, after partying all night, stealing the trophies from the, from the organization, he, he goes to the drive-thru and orders this. There's 150,000 people watching you right now. Really? Yes. So can I, can I have, please, a 50-piece Mac Minis... 50 exactly okay. not 51 none 49 <laughs> chicken minis yes 50 and um, let me have a large drink no ice half sprite half lemonade okay. thank you 
All right, first of all, <laughs> I never thought of a half Sprite, half lemonade. That sounds awesome, it does. number one. It sounds fantastic. And number two, uh, how about Giannis rolling over to the Chick-fil-A and ordering 50 nuggets to celebrate his 50 points in game six? That how was, about that? It was pretty cool. With the two trophies in his lap. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. So look, I'm excited for you. I'm excited. I'm just, it was, I, I had a lot of fun watching these NBA finals. Just a ton of fun. It was just, it was refreshing not to see Golden State and, you know, the, the same cast of characters. Do you think, the, just, you think ABC better. felt the same way that you did? Nope. Nope. Sure didn't. And I'm sure the NBA didn't either. But as a fan who did, I, it was it was refreshing. You got to see some new faces. You got to see what this league, you know, what, what some of the well, the future stars in this league, a la Devin Booker, are going to look like. I mean, it's it was cool. It was fun. So I I really and I liked the way it was officiated. I thought it was a great finals. And per, you know, personally, as somebody who doesn't think much of Chris Paul, I'm pretty happy with the outcome. Um, here's some other news that, that broke late this week. The NFL coming out with an updated ruling, basically, as it pertains to COVID-19 outbreaks in the league. The league sent a memo to all 32 teams saying that games will not be postponed unless it's required by government authorities, medical experts, or at the commissioner's discretion. If a game cannot be rescheduled within the 18-week regular season, the burden falls on the team with COVID-19 outbreaks. They'll forfeit the game and incur the financial burden associated with it. Now look, the league is trying to get all these players, all the coaches, all the trainers and support staff to get vaccinated. They're trying to get every single person vaccinated without mandating it. So you got guys like DeAndre Hopkins out in Arizona putting out a tweet and then deleting the damn thing. Says that he doesn't want to be put in a position to hurt his team because he doesn't want to partake in the vaccine, making him rethink and question his future in the NFL. Cole Beasley, who's a pass catcher out in Buffalo, has been staunchly against getting vaccinated. And you look at what these guys as vaccinated players can do. If you're vaccinated, you won't be tested daily. You won't have to wear a mask at team facilities. You won't have to socially distance. You won't have any travel restrictions. You'll have full use, full reign of team facilities. If you're unvaccinated, it's the opposite. And by the way, you you won't be able to take part in media availabilities in terms of, uh, you know, other ways to make money. It's an interesting, interesting look into what the NFL is trying to do. I just, look, I get it. I understand, but now you're asking these teams and these players to do more than what they're perhaps comfortable with. And I don't want to get into the vaccine discussion. But now, if you got a COVID-19 outbreak and you can't reschedule your game, 
That's just an automatic loss in the column. That's going to hurt your chances of winning a championship, no matter who or what team you are in the league. An incredible development out of the shield. We will certainly keep an eye on it and see what a lot of these other players are saying. We can talk about it tomorrow here on Sports Wrap, 6 o'clock right here on WJR. We will see you tomorrow. Have yourself a wonderful rest of the evening.